Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today, we start a brand new sermon series on creation care. The context, of course, is because the golf course operations have stopped and we are now responsible for what happens with all that land that used to be used for golf. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the sermon, The Story of More. Before I begin the sermon for today, I want to mention that we're about to send out a huge survey and if you haven't gotten emails from our church then please go to the link that is being provided right now so you can sign up so we can communicate what we are doing that might be of interest to you and find out how you're doing and what would be helpful whether member or regular tender or visitor in fact today's message is a preface for some major projects on our church land that might intrigue you. It's entitled, The Story of More. Here's the context. I remember decades, years ago, when I went through a divorce, I was talking to my friend, Barbara Wright, and I said in a depressed fashion, that's it, I will never love again. The spigot has been turned off. And Barbara replied saying, love is infinite. When I had my first daughter, I loved her 100%. When I had my second daughter, I didn't love her 50% because I had two daughters. No, I loved her 100%. And if I had a third child, it's not 33% for that child. No, I would love that child 100%. And that's how love is. Love gives you the ability to love again 100%. And later, Barb had grandchildren and she loved each of them 100%. She was telling me that I could love again in an immense way. I can love others fully 100%, not just once, but even more than 100%. Love knows no bounds. There's always room for more love. And this thinking taught me the huge capacity for love that we have. And nearly 40 years ago, Pam and I were married experiencing love to this day in an abundant way. For each of my kids, it's 100%. And for each of my two dogs, it's another 100% each. And for this church, it's 100%. I remember my friend Brad, he was telling me that he was so busy at work, no time for anything else but work, night and day, work, work, work. And then one day, he fell in love with Linda and suddenly he was taking breaks for lunch to see Linda and he couldn't wait to get off of work so he could see Linda and stay up late at night with Linda and then go to work tired due to lost sleep. But it was worth it because of Linda. And today, Brad and Linda are married. When he thought he had no time or energy, he discovered the story of more, more love. Our capacity is huge. Love energizes us. You see, when it comes to God, and God is love, says the Bible, it's always a story of more. We can love more. We can love Him more. We can feel His love more. We can love others more. We can love ourselves more. We can love animals. We can love the earth more. We can make time for loving this planet. 
Hence, this sermon is the beginning of an environmental sermon series called The Story of More. How can we have a greater love, more love, specifically for the creation of our planet and the sky and the land and waters and why we need to care for them, especially for a church that has new access to 246 acres of forests and streams and flora and fauna and the creatures that inhabit it. Most churches actually don't teach on the environment. Maybe wrongfully, people feel, oh, that's just for political, ultra-liberal, progressive, far-out hippies, tree-huggers, white-spotted owl-lovers who are vegans. It's not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. It's a biblical, big-time issue. All who love the Creator behind creation should be on the front line of creation care. There is a huge capacity in us to love people and love nature and love all creatures, except for mosquitoes and scorpions. Who let them in? Yuck! Within the next 12 months, you will see the beginnings of a major development of our church's 246 acres. If you come to the congregational meeting today, after the third service, you will hear more about that, and we will introduce a new full-time staff member in charge of it, as well as the election of new elders and deacons and the financial reports. It will be our first Zoom congregational meeting. Now, back to the sermon. Now, more than ever, it is imperative that our keiki, our youth, and our adults have a firm, mature theology of what the Bible says about nature. We need to have, so to speak, a biblical baseline, a foundation of environmental awareness of what our role is in sustainability and creation care, and why we need to go green for God. But for some reason, we often shut off the love for people or animals or for nature, and we want to think just about ourselves. And even if the Bible tells us that our lives can be a story of more. We can say, I'm too busy to think about the present or the next generation or whether there's climate change or the destruction of forests and animals, yet we can have more love for other humans and our surroundings. And if we do, it will benefit us, our family, our friends, our children, our cities, our state, and it will honor God. The Bible, to use Latin, as the ancient church reformers said, is the norma normans, the ultimate norm that surpasses all other authorities. It is the normal reality by which all things will be judged. Yet many who claim that the Bible is their ultimate authority and infallible divine revelation often are very careless with it or don't follow it or make such wild interpretations of it that is opposite of what God intended. They can create a reality that is actually not biblical or Christian, but they might think it is. They can ignore whole sections of scripture. We, as followers of Christ, should believe that indeed the Bible is the norma normans, the ultimate norm. God's norms should normalize us, so to speak, and not vice versa. 
But I believe for centuries the majority of Christians have neglected a norm that should be a core value in us, and it is this, that God is the creator of all things, including nature, the environment, the forests, the flora and the fauna, and the animals, and we should protect them all. Too often we have left the environmental movement to non-Christians or to Christians we might call New Age liberals. But this is our earth. This is our house, our global village. So we, who claim to be God's people, better take care of it. We should be learning that if we don't turn things around, we could have more wildfires and hurricanes, polluted air, rising sea levels, which result in higher acidity in the water, kills coral and other sea life. Why do I want to do a sermon series on loving nature and God's creation and how we love all of that more? For one basic reason, it boils down to this. God has given us the earth, the land, the plants, the animals, the air, the water to serve and protect. Now where do we start to get this biblical understanding of serve and protect God's creation? Let's start with the concept of protect. In the Old Testament, the word keep is used when God asks Adam and Eve to keep the garden. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tell it and keep it. Now, when a pastor like I gives the final blessing or benediction, often he or she says, may the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious unto you. Now, in both verses in Genesis and also in the book of Numbers, the word keep in Hebrew means to guard or protect. Like, may God protect you, keep you from harm. So from day one, God's command to Adam, and then, of course, to all humankind, was to, to keep or protect his garden, guard his world, protect his creatures in the world. In fact, prior to the sinful fall of humankind, Adam and Eve were only to eat of the fruits and vegetables and not to eat the animals. Get this, the animals and the humans were to have the same, not different food. Let's return to the verse. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. The word till in Hebrew is the word abad, which can be translated as till, but also to serve or work the land. So even with that word, you get the feeling that God was calling us to serve and protect the land, not to dominate it. That is, in essence, the relationship God wants us to have with the land and the creatures who inhabit it. There's this relational rhythm, serve and protect. Yes, serve and protect, serve and protect. I believe for all of us, we can be the story of more. Not the story of more consumption or more waste or more apathy, but the story of more love. We can be storytellers of more love for this earth and thereby for people, for we are followers of Jesus. The Hawaiians would say this about the land. If you take care of the aina, the aina will take care of you. 
The ancient Hawaiians both revered and respected the need to care for the land, and we should too. The story of more means we can have more love in our hearts for nature. You know, when we sang at the beginning of our worship service, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We are to be reminded what God has made. This is the day when the sun comes up and he created the sun. It's a new day dawning and we have 10,000 reasons to praise him for his creation. Our story should be a story of more love for life, this earth, because of God. And so what is the biblical basis for all of this? The Norma Normans? Here it is simply. Number one, God is the creator of all things. Number two, God, creation is good. Number three, God partners with us. Number four, earth is a home for all living things. And number five, how should we then live? Now let's start with the first one. God is the creator of all things. The very first chapter and the first verse in the Bible is what? You might know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. And that is where it starts for all of our understanding of life. God created it all. He said, let there be light, boom, and there was light. And he said, that was good. And then he created water and land, the aina and vegetation and the stars to separate the day from the night that there might be seasons. Then he created the fish and things that flew, as it says in the 22nd verse, then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And then came more species, animals, livestock, small animals, big animals. And then came the humans. And for all of that, God said was good. And humans were very good. They were special. So then he told humans to protect all that he created, serve the land, guard the land, guard the creatures for that role that would make humans especially good. So when we look at the earlier slide, those four things, right? God's the creator of all things, creation is good, God partners with us, earth is a home for all living things, those first four points are all covered. God created everything. He calls everything he has created as good. And then for that fifth point that asks the question, how should we then live? God says, I created humans to guard and serve the earth with me. Serve and protect. And that earth is indeed not only a home designed for humans, but a home designed for all creatures. Plants, skies, oceans, cats and dogs. God blessed them all when he brought them into being. And when, the, and when God later in Genesis says that humankind has dominion over all of the earth, it never meant we could do whatever we wanted. No, in having dominion meant humans had the responsibility to oversee and guard it and nurture it and sustain it, refresh it, regenerate it. We are the overseers. The word was dominion, not domination. 
Dominion does not equal domination. God's purpose was to provide a home, a living space for many living beings, plants, animals, insects, and take care of the water, land, and the atmosphere. Now, if we really read our Bibles and take it to be the Norma Normans, or the ultimate norm, we should go from Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God, to then Noah, who lived in a society where, again, we see the humans have a mass rebellion against God. And the Lord then says, okay, let's start this all again, back to square one. And you might know the story. God tells Noah to build a huge ark. And how much does God love the animals? God tells Noah to build an ark so that his family and all of the known species on earth might be saved in it when a huge flood comes. He really loves all the creatures. Save them all, God says. And Noah obeys, and the entire ark and its people and animals are saved when the flood comes. And as you know, after many months of raining and drifting, God finally brings Noah's ark to dry land where there has to be a new start for humanity. But it wasn't just for humanity. It was for the animals too. Yes, God makes a covenant with Noah. But here's the surprise. But not only with Noah and humans, but God makes a covenant with the animals too. Really? Okay, so here's the context of God's promise. Check this out. I'm going to read a passage in Genesis in chapter 9. Here's what God says. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply in the earth. Increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Now I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every land. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. And whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. It couldn't be any clearer. You know, when people have these animal sanctuaries for cats or for dogs, they're on the right track. Over and over again, God said he has made a covenant with not only humans, but with all living creatures, that they would be safe, and humans are to make sure the earth and living beings are safe. And he remembered them all in the ark, and he will never forsake them. Never. 
They are precious to him. Six times he spoke of his covenant with people and all creatures. Again, we should not mistake the word dominion, meaning responsibility, to wrongfully mean domination over all the vegetation and animals. It is a universal, divine covenant of care for all time and not just a temporary agreement. So every time we see a rainbow, we should remember the covenant. As Stephen Buma Prediger says, who wrote this great book called For the Beauty of the Earth, A Christian Vision for Creation Care, he said this, the human creature has somehow perverted his royal responsibility and polluted the earth. Yes, humans can now eat meat as long as the blood is not consumed, so we can be carnivores, but let's not forget that respect for all life is still the rule. You know, sometimes in jest, but mostly for real. I say to myself and my family as part of my saying grace before a meal, thank you for those who prepared the meal. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Mr. Cower or Ms. Chicken, as a way of respecting the life that was sacrificed so I could have life. Now, we humans have somehow forgotten the covenant, the universal divine moral code for order in this world, the norma normans. And this can shake us up a bit. You see, the more we read the Bible, we discover that the world was not made exclusively for us humans. There is so much chaos in human institutions. But, but, when I look at nature, I am reminded of beauty and order. When we are nice to the land and sea and we can walk in it or near it, God through nature shows his love for us. We can feel more peaceful looking at a sunset or the ocean or a beautiful waterfall or a canyon or a valley. It's in nature. Remember, as Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Where? In green pastures. He leads me, where? Beside still waters. He restores my soul. With all of the chaos in the world, he restores our soul when we are in nature. It is through nature that we get a glimpse of who God is even before we read the Bible or go to church. For it says in the Bible, ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse. And if there is a natural disaster, more often than not, as with wildfires and hurricanes or ice melting and oceans rising or acidity, acidity of oceans increasing, air and water polluting, it is because of human behavior that is causing it. We were supposed to be partnering with God to serve and protect the garden and the creatures in the garden. You know, in May of 2019, the United States Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, man, they gotta pick shorter department titles whose report was written by 145 experts from 50 countries reported that, that their findings that one 
million of the planet's eight million species are threatened by extinction by humans. To quote, it said that the global rate of species extinction is already tens to hundreds of times higher than it has been on average over the last 10 million years. Humans are at fault due to our wildlife trading, air pollution, habitat loss, plastic pollution, timber harvest, and the use of toxic substances. In just 13 years, between 2001 and 2014, 173 species went extinct, which is 25 times more extinct species than you would expect. In the past 100 years, more than 400 vertebrate species went extinct. And according to the proceedings of the National Academy of Science, that is a rate that should have taken up to 10,000 years. That is why we got to have a story of more. More love for our environment. More love for all species. More love for God. And this is something Christians should be leading in because we, more than most, believe in a kind, loving God who brought us and created and saved these creatures and plants and created our beautiful world. But we also need to repent of how we have hurt the world in the short time humans have been around. Take a look at the big picture with these slides made by Leith Sharp, Harvard University's Director of Executive Education for Sustainability Leadership. Earth was created 4.5 billion years ago. Life began 3.8 billion years ago. Today, there are 30 to 100 million species on Earth. Let's say we condense the 3.8 billion years of evolution into one year. And this means we humans arrive just 36 minutes ago. So in terms of creation, we just arrived. And already, says National Geographic, that 99.9% .9 of species have been killed, much of it via natural disasters. But more recently, in the last 100 years, it, it is because of us. Something's wrong. The reality is that humankind has a failed relationship with planetary life support systems. We Americans are the wealthiest in the world, and most of us in this technically, technologically advanced online worship service are in the top 25% of the world in wealth. And some of you are in the top 5% of the world. And so it is we, the most ad advantaged, who are just 4% of the world population, we're gobbling more than nearly a fifth of the world's entire energy. And we have the most opportunity and technology and education. So yes, we. We have to figure out how to help the entire planet and do some sacrificing and strategizing. It's our responsibility to help out and model the living that is best, as, that is best especially be, be, because per capita, we are the ones who have the biggest carbon footprint for those with sizable populations. And if we are in this environmental hothouse of trapped CO2 gases that is creating a hotter earth and hotter oceans, then we have to do something about it. 
Fortunately, United Nations is trying to turn things around economically, environmentally, socially. But here's the crazy thing. Here are the 17 Sustainable Development Goals by the UN. Take a look at those. Now, if you look at them, they are all from the Bible. I mean, that's us. We Christians should be saying, hey, that is what we should be about. That should be our mission and evangelism for the world. You took our mission that is part of how we save souls. Look at the UN goals. No poverty, zero hunger, good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent work and economic growth, industry innovation, reduce inequalities, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, life on land, peace, justice, and strong institution part partnerships for these goals. For every one of them, the Bible, the Norma Normans, would support and encourage. Those should be the norms of a healthy society. And with our increased church acreage and discipleship with the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit, we can be a blueprint, a prototype, a model village of what it means to promote sustainability and responsible consumption and good health and well-being emotionally, physically and spiritually. Do I hear or read an amen? Any in the chat? Anybody yelling out? So how does it boil down to first press? As we learn more about nature, we will find it will give us a sense of peace and order. We will see intelligent design we will experience God's delight in our partnering with him in taking care of his world, our world. And we will say, this is God's world. Professor Calvin DeWitt of the University of Wisconsin-Madison says, having dominion over creation is an important aspect of being made in God's image. Part of our human dignity is tied to God's entrusting us with stewardship over creation. Jesus died for this earth. He died for you and for me. He died that there would be a story of more, more love for this earth, more love for humankind, and for all the creatures, great and small. Can we join our Lord in protecting and serving the earth? Can we make our church of Jesus be a property, a park, a place where people can feel the spiritual renewal and refreshment that comes from God and the beauty of nature and from the food we might sow and grow? We have a land where, yes, it's open and pure. And to be sure, we might have to be a self-starter, but we will work harder. And with God, we'll be smarter and we'll get farther. We might make a dollar and we'll do research like a scholar. And in all this, may we praise and honor Jesus and feel his delight, for he is our light of the world. And in honor of our great God, we will close now in reading Psalm 148. And if you are able, stand up, stand up, and join me in reading, beginning with verse 1. And here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Praise him, all his angels. 
praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for He issued His command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, a wind and weather that obey him, mountains and all his hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, it's a reminder, or for some, a revelation of how you created this world, but you want to partner with us in stewardship of it, not only for the vegetation and nature, but for the creatures who live in it. Lord, as followers of Jesus, may we really live out as stewards of this planet. And Lord, maybe there's a spark in us that you're calling us to, to be part of that movement and that somehow our church is going to be a place where we glorify you and we praise you in what we do. And Lord, I know there's some here who are just saying, man, if this is the God, this is the Jesus of the Bible, I want to sign up. I want to be part of his movement. Some here maybe for the first time are saying, man, there's a lot of messed up things I don't understand about the Christian faith, but this part I get. And if God is that loving, for people and all living things on this earth. I want to be a part of this and I want, to, I want to commit my life to follow this Jesus. And if that's the case of some people here, may they just silently with me just say this prayer that, Lord, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord, my overseer. I want to join you in being an overseer to having a story of more love for other people and for living things. And Lord, so sorry if I haven't paid attention that much to you or made you a priority, but I want to do that now. So thank you for hearing my prayer. Please come into my life. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Thank you for your love. Thank you, thank you for your story of more love for us as you died for us and calling us now. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, before I give the final benediction, uh, let me just say that, um, you know, for the first two services, 
um, I'm just inviting you to stay for a connect group. And uh, right after the service, a lot of us meet in discussion groups to kind of talk about the sermon. And you can see uh, there's a, a button or a link you can hit, and that will um, get you in there uh, right after the service. And then we can talk about these things. There won't be any connect group after the third service because we're going to go into a congregational meeting at that point. So, um, but great if you could join us for the first two. And now, receive the blessing. And you now understand my blessing more now than at, maybe at other times because you've learned about it in my sermon. So here it is. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and his countenance be on you. And may you know deep in your heart this wonderful God and his love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A God who loves you so much and calls you to serve and protect his creation. Know that the Lord is with you every day and always. For his life is the story of more for you. In Christ's name, amen. The Bible is very specific about us being responsible and taking care of the earth. It's almost like we're the earth police here to serve and protect the Aina. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But during this COVID season, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Prez, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.